0: 930 service. It is good to see you all here with us this morning. Uh, in, my, in my kind of personal, quiet, devotional time working through Scripture, I've been going through uh, the, the book of Jeremiah over the last few weeks. And uh, there towards the end of it, Jeremiah's attention begins to focus on uh, the, the remnant those who are left after the, uh, after the exile from Israel. And I kind of think like, man, that, that is who we are right now. Like that describes Sherwood Oaks this morning. We are the remnant. We are the faithful few that are remaining as all of the others have exiled out of Bloomington into warmer places. Not quite Babylon, uh, but, but definitely into warmer places. But we are glad, uh, so glad that you are here, that you chose to worship with us this morning. Morning. And I just want to pray for us as we dive into uh, the Word today. So God, would you please um, would you please speak to us this morning through your Word. God, I pray that uh, the words that we hear are not from me, but they are from you. I pray that, Lord, uh, that you will just remind us and maybe even reveal to us for the very first time how much we are loved by you. And it's not because we did anything to deserve it and there's nothing we could do to change it. It's just because, God, you chose to to make us objects of your love. And so I just pray that uh, today we will find a greater sense of joy in the good news of what Jesus has done for us. I pray it in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, when you hear the word gospel, uh, what do you think of? For me, when I think of the gospel, I go back to Uh, A night in August of 1998. Uh, I was at Camp Ileana in Washington, Indiana. Some of you are very familiar with with Camp Ileana. It's an incredible place. And I just graduated from from high school. I was about ready to to start college. Uh, But at that point in my life, I mean, like a lot of 18 year olds, I didn't have a clear sense of my identity. I did not have a clear sense of of my purpose. I was just kind of still trying to figure out who I, I was. And And that was actually a question that I wrestled with a lot through those middle school and and high school years. I didn't have this clear sense of my identity. I I didn't know where my value or where my worth came from. And, And somewhere along the way, I started to look for those things in how others experienced me, if they accepted me. And so I felt like if they approved of me, then, then I had a higher sense of value, a higher sense of worth. I learned to be what others wanted me to be, to try to live up to their expectations, to kind of blend into the crowd, which means that, that, that who I was, my identity, was kind of dependent on who I was with. If they wanted me to be this, I would be that. If they wanted me to be this, I'd be that. I was kind of like a, a chameleon wandering through life. And over time, that led me to some actions and behaviors that, honestly, I look back now on with regret. You know, Satan has a way of, of just like replaying those things in our minds, like uh, puts in, you know, the, 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 the reel and it just like shoots up and, and we would remember all of those things that we've done that we wish that we could go back and, and do over. And, and he just wants to pull us right back into that sense of guilt, right back into that sense of, of shame. And every now and then Satan will put in one of those things and replay it. And I just go, oh, why? And I was trying to figure out who I was. And on that night of August of 1998... At Camp Ileana, I felt just stuck in that shame. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know if anyone would actually love me, if they really knew me. That night, my soul was tired. I I was tired of feeling like my life was just this house of cards that I was going to be figured out, that I was going to be found out as a fraud and that it was all going to just fall apart I was tired of trying to be what others and who others wanted me to be. Most of all, I think I was just tired of running from God who had been pursuing my heart. And not, I'll never forget it. The, the worship team for that week of camp um, was from a campus house at Purdue, which is just proof that despite Mitch, some good things can come from West Lafayette, uh, Indiana. <laughs> Love you, bud. Uh, and that the worship leader that night talked about God inviting us into his presence, inviting us not just to come before him, but as a loving father, he is inviting us to just crawl up into his lap and rest. He had us close our eyes and just imagine that we were we were in God's warm, secure embrace and and he started talking about Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection and how in him we can find new life we can find a fresh start we can find a new identity and like man those were the exact words that I needed to hear and in that moment I fell to my knees and I surrendered my life to Jesus for the first time. My soul had finally found what I was looking for. Jesus rescued me from my sin. He gave me new life. He gave me that fresh start. And I started following him. And on that night, that Thursday night in August of 98, the gospel saved me. And it continues to do its transformational work in me still today. So what is the gospel? How would you explain it to someone if they... Said, hey, I just want to get together with you. I've got I'm going through some life things. And, and they, they, they sit down over coffee or over a meal and they just say, man, tell me what you believe. How would you describe the gospel? What, If you had to condense it down to like even just one phrase, what would you say that it is? And some of you are here today and maybe you're just starting to explore faith and God is doing some just amazing things in your life. And and, and, and you're, you're desiring more of him. Maybe, maybe you're here today and, and you are where I was all of those years ago and you are just looking for something more. And you're like, I don't know what the gospel is, but I, I know that I am desiring something more and something greater in my life. Some of you have been Christians for a long time and the gospel is still just as beautiful to you today as it was the moment when you first believed. The gospel continues to do just this transformative work in your heart to make you more and more into the image of Jesus. You see that good news of Jesus continue to work in you and through you and you are just overwhelmed by his grace. Some of you, I'm sure if you were honest would say that maybe the gospel message has just kind of become boring to you. You know it. You could recite it in your sleep. You've heard messages like this a thousand times and, and it's begun to lo- lose a little bit of its power, a little bit of its beauty It's no longer as meaningful to you. It's no longer relevant in your life. You think of the gospel as something that saved you, but you're not really sure what implications it has in your life now. And you just find yourself going through these rote religious motions. So what is it? Well, the word gospel means good news and and it actually predates christianity it's a it's a it's a word that that christians kind of stole from the culture when a nation would go to war uh, messengers who were called evangelists would would, would kind of stand in the background and watch what was happening and As the battle unfolded, and as maybe there was even a victor uh, or someone was defeated, these evangelists these messengers would run back and report it to the community would run back and report it to their commanding officers and if the, the their their nation or their army was victorious. Then it was a message of good news. It was a gospel message. They had good news to share. And so really Christians just kind of baptized those two words and made them their own. The gospel is good news of victory. An evangelist is someone who shares that good news. And I think that that is a perfect description of Mark as he starts his gospel account of Jesus' life. If you have a Bible or Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, we're, we're starting a, a new series this morning called uh, Beginner's Guide to Greatness. And over the next few weeks in, in Core 52, we're going to be looking at how to find the great life in Jesus as we live out this gospel. And so we're going to talk about things like faith and, um, and leadership and servanthood and, and the life and what God desires from us and for us. Mentioned it last week, but on uh, March 27th, Tom Ellsworth is going to be back to, to share with us about rest, something that even in retirement, I don't think that he's getting a whole lot of. That guy is as busy as, as he has ever been, and we are looking forward to having him here in a couple of weeks. If you're, if you're new with us, Core 52 is this year-long study through uh, 52 of kind of the, the, the most important passages in Scripture that, that teach us about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that that kind of helps us understand what the Christian faith is, what it's all about. And we invite you, we just crossed over the halfway point last week, and so if you want to jump in with us, you can go out to the lobby, get a book, it's $10, or if you don't have that, we'll just give one to you. And uh, we're we're talking about the core verse in here on Sundays, we're reading about it through the week, we're talking about it in life groups, you can get plugged into any of those things, uh, either on our website uh, or out in, in the lobby. And today's core verse is Mark 1, verse 1. And this is what it says. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So right off the bat, Mark says, I have a gospel for you. I have some good news to share with you. And and it's not about one nation being victorious over another nation. This good news, this gospel message is about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the promised one of God who defeated death, who conquered the grave and who invites all of us to find life in him. That is Mark's gospel message. That is his good news about Jesus that he wants to share. And so Mark writes this account of Jesus' life in order that others can can know and believe the good news that he has found. So that others would be as captivated by Jesus as he was. And you get a sense that Mark can hardly contain his sense of excitement about this good news. The other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John, those are are the, the, the stories, the accounts of Jesus' life. The other three, Matthew, Luke, and John, kind of have this slow build to get to the life of of Jesus. But man, reading Mark is like jumping onto a moving train. He just gets right to the point. There's no beating around the bush. He gets right to who Jesus is and and what he has, has done. Mark knows that he has good news and he can't wait to share it with others. In fact, it's interesting. That if you combine all of the other gospels together, Mark uses that word for gospel more than any of the other ones combined. So he knows that this is good news, and he wants us to know it and to experience it too. So what is the gospel of Jesus, and why does it matter? This morning, I kind of want to take us through a little bit of a survey of the New Testament The Apostle Paul is uh, one of the first people to to experience the gospel, to proclaim the gospel to the world. And then he writes these letters to churches kind of scattered across the region to to proclaim the gospel even more, to remind people of the gospel and to teach them how to live it out. And, And in the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul reminds the church in Corinth about the gospel that he taught them and about the gospel that saved them. And then before he moves on, he kind of just pauses and and, and this is what he says. He, He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, meaning that there is nothing more foundational to what we believe than this, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And so this is the foundation of the gospel that saves us. It is rooted deeply in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that through faith in him, we find that salvation, we we are saved, we are set free from our sin. We are filled with the Holy Spirit who works and moves in us to transform us more and more into the image of Christ. And we are brought back into a right relationship with the Father. And so without the gospel, without the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus... Scripture teaches that we are still dead in our sins. We are still separated from God. But because of it, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are forgiven and we are made new. We are made righteous. Like what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentiles. Just kind of talks about how that gospel message was proclaimed through the world. He says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Hang on to that phrase. The righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteousness of God that he talks about in verse 17 is that saving work through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that righteousness is revealed, It it is given to those who, who confess their faith in Jesus. And, and so what we glean from this and through the rest of scripture is that our salvation starts and ends with faith alone. There is nothing that we add to it. And when we believe and when we put our faith in that gospel, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians five, seventeen and 18, this is one of the first passages of scripture that I, that I preached Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning they've put their faith in him, in that gospel, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then he says in verse 21, which I don't have up on the screens, but if you have your Bibles open, you can look down there. This is the gospel in in one verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the gospel message. It is the good news that God saves us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And the truth is, is that the gospel is more than that, but I'm telling you, it is not anything less than that. And the good news actually starts off with some really bad news. (laughs) That each one of us have sinned. That each one of us deserves death and separation from God for our sin. That there is no one righteous, not even one. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God made a way for us to be forgiven. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus loves you so much that he emptied himself of his glory. He took on flesh to pursue your heart. He bore the weight of the guilt and shame of your sin that separates you from God on the cross. And he gives you a new resurrected life when you put your faith in him. He rescues us. He redeems us. He restores our relationship with the heavenly Father. And listen, I'm telling you, it is not just a one-time action. It is a continuous new creation that he is making inside of us. We, we are saved when we believe the gospel for the first time, but then we continue to be transformed by the gospel and the work of Christ in us. That, that phrase that Paul used in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, the new creation, The the verbiage of that represents that it is a continuous process. It's not a one and done thing. We are continuously being made into a new creation. We, We are continuously being made more and more into the image of Christ as we surrender ourselves to him, as we crucify our old self to him and take on the attitudes and the actions of Jesus. And so the beauty of the gospel is that it has the power to save us and that it has the power to transform us as we continue to live by faith. And so every person that you meet who has been saved by this good news is a work in progress, including me, and sometimes even especially me. I got to uh, coach my daughter's upward team uh, this season and uh, just had a, a blast with uh, with this crazy group of third and, and fourth grade girls. We had a little team party at our place on Thursday uh, where we got to celebrate uh, a really good season, all the fun that we had, and it was just so beautiful to see how uh, these six young ladies who did not know each other beforehand just really grew over the, the nine weeks to become uh, good, good friends. And... Uh, my wife would tell you that I have a bit of a competitive side in me. Uh, maybe she would drop that word, bit, and just say, yeah, Sean can be a little overly competitive. We were at uh, a softball game last year uh, for our girls, and I was starting to get a little bit worked up, and my knee was bouncing, and uh, she just, like, put her hand on my knee, and she's like, Sean, <laughs> calm down. Remember who you are. <laughs> like, okay, all right, I need to kind of catch it. But the truth is, is that competitive side— is one of those things that the gospel is still doing its work in me. It's still a little bit of a rough edge that the Holy Spirit is uh, refining in me. And the work that is still needed uh, became apparent at the end of one of our games uh, a few weeks ago. The game was was almost over, and uh, we were down on on one end of the court, and Uh, We were up by two. Our team was up by two. And the other team was about ready to to inbound the the ball. And on the other side of the court, there were some parents and, and some kids that were there about ready to take the court and some of the kids were kind of dribbling a basketball, just warming up and getting ready. And, and one of the balls like, must have bounced off of his foot or something. He lost control of it. And it kind of rolled down into where our teams were. And the official didn't see it. And so I, I, I ran out there and, and scooted the ball. And, and three of my girls were looking at me, waiting on, on me to do that. Well, while we were doing that, uh, they inbounded the ball. And they had their team open. And so they got the ball. They shot it. And we ended up tying Big deal, right? But I was upset. (laughs) That competitive side in me came out, and I told the official, who I know and who I love and I have so much respect for, what happened, and I let my anger get the best of me a little bit. I didn't yell, (laughs) but I wasn't kind, and I let him know how I felt. And the rest of the day, it absolutely ate me up at how I had treated my friend. Hmm. I was thinking about that as we were singing that last song about just the Spirit pressing new wine out of us. I think that's what the Spirit was doing in that moment for me. And, and here's the thing. That, that afternoon, that evening, like I knew that I was forgiven for my anger. Like just add that to the laundry list of things that Jesus has already forgiven me for. And so I was good with God, but I was not good with my, my friend. And scripture is clear, man, if we're not good with each other, then there's, we need to work on that as well because that influences and affects our vertical relationship too. And the gospel that saved me went to work continuing to transform me. That was on a Saturday afternoon and all I could think about was Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Like if you go to worship and there you offer you gift and you remember that someone has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, go and make it right and then come back. And I thought, well, I'm gonna be preaching the next morning. I can't hardly leave my sermon here in the middle. I'm like, hold on, stick tight. I've, I've got to go and take care of something, run off, go do that and then come back up. And so I'm like, well, dang it, I have to do it now. <laughs> and so I called my friend And I asked for his forgiveness, and he graciously gave it to me. And it was just one more reminder that I am still a work in progress. And listen, that I need the gospel just as much today as I did 24 years ago when I first believed. And that's why the gospel is such good news. It continues to save and transform us if we allow it to. It continues to shape us more and more and more into the image of Christ as we die to our old selves and we take on new life. And so let me ask you this morning, how is the gospel transforming you? What is the work that you see it doing in your life today? Is the good news of Jesus and what he did for you making you a more grace-filled person? Giving you joy and peace and kindness? Is there evidence of the gospel working in and through you? When people look at you and your life and how you live, do they see more of Jesus and less of you? Do you find yourselves more consumed by the things of God's kingdom, the things and the people that matter to him, than the things in this world? Those are the places where the gospel intersects with our life and the Spirit wants to continue to be good news and transform us into a new creation. Those are the places where the hope of the gospel comes to life in our life and it shines to others because they serve as evidence of God's grace working in us. So if you find yourself today having believed the gospel once but not really sure what it means to you now, maybe that's the place to start to let the good news of God's grace wash over you again. Let the gospel of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection begin to seep into those spaces and fill those holes, the areas where you need to surrender, where you need to lay down more of your life to him, the places that you need to crucify, those places where you need the righteousness of God to transform you, the power of the gospel to not only save you, but to make you a new creation here's what I found to be true in me and in so many others, Said so that as the gospel does its work in us, we can't help but share what it does for others. We become like Mark who, who has been with Jesus and has, is just captivated by this good news and can't wait to share it with others. And if you're not sure how to share the gospel or how to share the good news of what Jesus has done in your life, Logan mentioned it earlier, but our spiritual formation team is offering a new three-week class called Exploring Your Story. And it's all about being able to share the gospel with others in light of what God has done through the gospel in you. It starts on March 27th during the 11 o'clock service. We'd love for you to join us. One last scripture as we close off this morning. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2. Paul writes, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. If you're here this morning and you're ready to find new life and a fresh start in Christ, if you're ready to put your faith in the gospel that saves and allow that gospel to transform you into this new creation, we would love nothing more than to help you take your first steps or your next steps towards that today. Why don't you stand with me and I'll close us off with a word of prayer. God, thank you for the good news of Jesus that came on this rescue mission to save us. Thank you for his willingness to go to the cross, even as Logan mentioned earlier, the strain that it put on him emotionally and physically and spiritually as for the first time he was separated from you as he bore the weight of our sin. And Lord, thank you for the new life through the power of the resurrection that we can find. God, may your gospel continue to work in us and shine through us. And may our lives be evidence and a testimony of your goodness and your grace. And the work that you're doing, not just in us, but that you can do in others too. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your new life that you have given. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.